Hello, this is Kian, and I'm here to give you two warnings. One warning is a trigger warning for this entire episode. Um, we talk about drug abuse, addictions, and suicide briefly. And um, in addition, um, my levels of microphone volume are much louder than Greg's, um, and I apologize for that. Hopefully we can amend that in the next episode. I apologize. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of whatever this podcast is called. Infinitely Justin. That one. Yeah. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. It's a shorter chapter. It is a shorter uh, chapter. You know, about 10 pages or so. No. Very short. Uh, so it's about a guy, it's about drugs, and it's about... Oh, yeah. And it's about weird phone calls and buzzers. Mm-hmm. Play the intro song. And then we had to end it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's this chapter called, Mr. Greg? Uh, this chapter is called uh, The Year of the Depend Adult Undergarments. Wow. Thanks for sponsoring this well, week's episode. Well, I guess we're doing this multiple times a week. Thanks for sponsoring this episode, Deep End Adult Undergarments. Um, just a reading check. What page are you on? Uh, seventeen. Oh uh, no! Like, like, how far have you made it through the book? Oh, I just finished that chapter. Oh, uh, I'm on page forty-six right now. So, but this chapter consists of pages seventeen through twenty-seven. Wow. Okay, so do you want to talk about what happened in this chapter? And then we can get into what we thought was cool and also not so cool. Yeah, not really much uh, quote-unquote happens, I would say. It's more just a stream of consciousness rambling of a, a drug-addicted man named Erdetti. Uh, he is, he's tried to quit uh, smoking marijuana a lot of times, and he hasn't been successful yet. And he's waiting for this woman to give him drugs. She's about four hours late. And uh, he just talks about how he wants marijuana, but he also wants to not do marijuana. It's a lot of drugs, actually. Yeah, this is a a ten-page chapter consisting of uh, about five paragraphs, would you say? Four or five, yeah. Let me count them right now. Yeah. He, the style is very rambly. He just talks and talks. A lot of the sentences are very long as well. Four paragraphs. Okay, that's even less. Wow. He he just picks a topic and then talks about it and then randomly, abruptly changes the subject the very next sentence without even changing paragraphs. And I think that was intentional, obviously. Well, I guess we'll talk about that later when we talk about not the plot stuff. Keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. So he just talks. He notices a bug. In his room. That's nice. He relates to that bug. And then uh, at the end, he gets a call on his phone. At the same time as the doorbell rings. And he just cannot decide which of those two options to go to first. So he just does nothing and reaches for both. But doesn't do anything. That is a great description of the plot of this chapter. I am very proud of you. Thank you so much. No problem. So, 
Okay. What I want to get into is that this is just a single section chapter, right? This is like, it wasn't like the first chapter, which was split into five separate sections, right? This is yeah. just one. But do you think we could call each paragraph a different section? Um, do I think we call each paragraph? Because hmm. so much happens, to be honest, in the third and fourth paragraphs, because they're yeah. like five and four pages respectively, I believe. And yeah. um, that's just wild to me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But I guess I didn't underline a lot with this chapter, which is sad, because I don't think I just had my pencil with me when I was reading. And mm. obviously, this is very thought provoking and like I, sad, to be honest. Like, it's a sad chapter. I feel like the fact that he changes the subject in the middle of paragraphs a lot kind of makes this like a sectionless chapter or yeah, if yeah. it is a section chapter there would be way too many to yeah there would section be. off like the last thing um the thing with the doorbell and the phone that happens in the same paragraph as uh well it's in like a five page paragraph yeah, but yeah. only like a few sentences long um so yeah um Let's just get into it, right? Let's just talk about what we thought was oh, cool. Because, I mean, you basically summarized it. Let's just get into it, right? Let's just get into the motions here. Ready? So mm. I'm going to talk about the first thing that I wrote because it's one of the few things that I wrote down in the book. And I might need you to carry me and, uh, and uh, take us through the middle section of this chapter where I didn't underline anything, really. Um, mm. Is, again, the first sentence of this chapter. Where was the woman who said she'd come, period? Why is this not a question? He's just confused. You think? I think. I think he's generally very confused. I think he's just. Uh, is he high during the contents of this chapter? Do you think? No, because he, um, like, every time when he runs out of weed, he gets rid of it. Right? He, like, even if he has any left, he'll throw it out. Like, Mm -hmm. and get rid of it, dispose of it. Because he always says, this is going to be the last time I ever do weed. I want to make it special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, he has no he has no drugs right now. I think he, when he's not on weed, he's really nervous, and, like, that's why he uses it. As, like, like withdrawal. Yeah, yeah, like withdrawal symptoms, like, of anxiety and everything. And, like, now he's waiting for 200 grams, and he's paying $1,250 for it. That's a lot of money. It's a, that's a lot of money. I don't gonna, really know how much 200 grams is. It's about four but, ounces, I think. A little over four ounces. But in terms of, like, how much marijuana that is. Oh, that's a lot of marijuana. Okay. That's, like, <laughs> a lot of marijuana. Yeah. Like, a lot? Like, a lot of marijuana. Okay. Because like, marijuana is, like, so dry and not dense at all that, like, an mm -hmm. ounce is a, is a lot of marijuana. And he got four of them. Over four of them. Wow. So, yeah. Um, and this is particularly good marijuana. Mind you, this is particularly good marijuana. Wow. A fifth of a kilogram of unusually good marijuana. Excuse me. That's what he called it. Unusually good. Mm. That is. I mean, everyone says their marijuana is unusually good. Yeah, I, th I think I've said it at times. I've said, I... mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, for legal reasons, that was a joke. And uh, so, yeah, um, you know, he's tried to quit marijuana about 70 or 80 times before yeah that's yeah so many it's the um it's the mentality of when you're 
trying to go to bed and you're eating chips and you're just like, oh, one more. And then you just stay up for a half hour just eating chips and being sad. I think I stay up all day eating chips, being sad. That's the American dream. That is the American dream right there. Yeah. Um, so I would like to speak to the fact that the um, bug, the bug, what do you think the bug is supposed to be? Because it seems so random and so mm-hmm. minuscule, but it's David Foster Wallace. What does it mean? I have no idea. It's, does it even, it doesn't do anything. It kind of just sits there, right? Yeah, is it is it him? Is he the buck? Yeah, I mean, at the end, he's he's he spends the whole chapters, uh, like you said earlier, uh, waiting for something to happen, and then when something finally does happen, he just doesn't do anything. He's unable to do anything. So that's a weird juxtaposition, right? Where he wants something to happen. He wants this girl to show up. He wants to smoke weed. He wants to sit on his couch and watch. Um, these videos and watch um, or and eat Oreos and stuff and like mm. he talked about when, masturbation a lot I think he talk? oh masturbation is that what you just yeah. said yeah it's really weird and I don't like it and it's horrible mm. yeah and, and but the thing is a note about this is he lets ideas of things to do come into his brain and then instead of acting on them he lets them pass which is a very strange concept I think because like he seems like a very inactive person already. He, like crippled by anxiety or like overthinking like different possibilities and, and outcomes. Yeah. And his addiction of, to marijuana might be a reciprocal, like they both play into each other. So like, I don't know if he was always like that where he was indecisive, overthinking, anxious, right? Or if now that he's off marijuana for a while, he's like that, you know? Maybe he was a little like that, and the marijuana accentuated it. Yeah, I would say that's probably a fair conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about his name, though? I know this is random and not about the plot or whatever, but Erdetti, E-R-D-E-D-Y, that is such a good name. The, this book is supposed to take place in the future, right? Yeah, yeah. It, hmm, weird names. I like it, though. Yeah. There was that name earlier, Dimphna. I like that Dimphna, one. Dimphna, that was really good, and she was deaf. Yeah. Is she? <laughs> Oh, or yeah. blind, blind. No, she was blind. Excuse me. Blind. The Sonic tennis balls. The yeah. Sonic tennis balls. God. I about that. I, I not to like uh, kiss, um, kiss, uh, or lick David Foster Wallace's boots, but like he's a pretty good writer. I really like him. <laughs> yeah. I really like it so far. Um, These two chapters have been so different in the way they're yeah. written. Very. It makes very me excited good. to uh, see how they all come together. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So let's get back into it. Um. I, I think it's interesting just how much of a nice person he seems like, and he's just been corrupt, because he's always so nervous about not wanting to inconvenience anyone, like, he uh, he doesn't he never talk when he tells his dealers to never sell him weed again, he always has to find a different dealer the next time he does weed, because he doesn't want them to be put in a precarious situation of, like Oh, I told you not to, but now I'm telling you to. Yeah, yeah. The enabling. Like, he doesn't want other people enabling him. Yeah. Yet he enables himself by going to someone else, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting... Because he's obviously caring about other people. But then, like, he also is insanely self-centered in a way where he puts him... He calls off work for four days straight to smoke marijuana. Four days straight. 
right? I don't like, know if I'd say that's self-centered so much as just he's caught up in this. Yeah, yeah, he's caught up in it. I guess self-centered wasn't the right adjective. I would say like he's um he cares about other people and what they think about him, right? But then he shows complete lack of what other people think when he does this. Like, yeah. All, but that's obviously put upon by the temptations that he has towards using marijuana. Mm. So, um, let's talk about the third paragraph, which is the really long one, right? Yeah, it's, it's so confusing. Yeah. I, nothing. He just talks about his past and. Honestly, I thought it was kind of hard to read. Yeah, it's focus on, but I think that's intentional. Uh, that, yeah, I think that everything in this chapter—I don't know if everything in this book is intentional, but in this chapter, for sure, is intentional. Mm-hmm. It's intentionally written in a way where you know that this guy is like not like all there, right? Not like he's not well. He's not well, and um, I think that it's very indicative of. Um, David Foster Wallace himself, because he struggled with addiction to antidepressants. I looked this up a while ago, but oh. and um, I forget what year it was, but he ended up um, dying by suicide. He hung himself in his house, and um, so I don't know if he put himself into this character and played his addiction into this chapter. And I think that might say a lot about why. Um, it feels like you can really see Air Daddy, even though it's a third-person narration, right? It's not first-person. You're not in Air Daddy's head, yet you yeah, are still. Like, you, it's like you're a passenger in yeah, his mind. Yeah, yeah. And I, in a strange way, I don't know if I could see... Well, you know what? I think... I, I guess here's the question. Could you see Air Daddy telling you this, like just rambling like this to someone? If you sat down and he was talking to you, do you think he talked like this? Or do you think this is just how he thinks in his mind? He, I don't think he'd talk like this at all. Hmm. I think he just... I think he'd be too scared to, almost. Like, scared of putting himself out there. And I can relate to that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I mean, we all experience some sort of anxiety and some sort of indecision, right? And, like, yeah. I would say that even though I just thought about it and said, well, maybe he would talk like this. Contrary to that, I would say that he would act like he did at the conclusion of the chapter where he has two equally beneficial choices, right? Or two things well, that... You know, same results. Same results, yeah, same results. Um, two equally uh, resultant choices, I guess we can say, right? Um, both have the same results, and he can't choose which one to do. I think that might be reflective of how he interacts with others. Because, like, even when, um, remember he told the story about how the uh, last woman that he had ever been with, right, um, he was, like, they had a good relationship for a while. And then when she brought him weed, he kicked her out. Like, mm. It seems like he has this um, intense desire to be with someone else, right? But, like, not on the surface. And then the marijuana destroys that desire because the marijuana is the someone else that someone else could never be, right? Like, 
it takes it takes his brain and almost hogs it. Yeah, yeah. And with his brain goes his heart, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, the thing was so interesting. I felt painful reading this, honestly. I was like... I don't know if it was quite pity, but it was, like, close to it. It was pity adjacent. I always get, like, a weird uh, feeling, just uncomfortable feeling when I read or talk about uh, mind-altering substances. So it's it's hard to read, but yeah. it's, it's good. It's very good. Fourth paragraph, right? It starts on page 23 after the five-paragraph ramblings about all his preparation process and, like, what he was going to do. He was looking to smoke, averaging about um, 200 or 300 heavy bong hits per day, which would put him at, what, like... Uh, I don't know how much a bong hit is. Yeah, that's okay. Greg. I just meant... No, (laughs) scientific measurement. Um, Thigh unit. But, um... I did the math on this. I screenshotted the calculations. Give me one second. Give me one second. I will be right with you. Keep talking about something else while I look this up. Um, you guys want a fun hippo fact? Yeah, can I have a fun hippo fact? Okay, let me tell you a fun hippo fact that I'm going to look up. Fun hippo facts. All right. Hmm. Did you know that uh, hippos are the second largest land animal on Earth? Really? Yes, the uh, African elephant is first. Hippos are so funny. <laughs> uh, they just have blubber. I love blubber. Hippos are really funny, honestly. Hmm. What's your favorite animal? What's my favorite animal? Probably a hippo. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, hippos are really fun. I like frogs. I think frogs are my favorite animal. Because they go ribbit. They do go ribbit. <laughs> you have the calculations? Yeah, one second. Okay. Um, so that would mean every about, like, ten seconds, right? If he never slept, he'd be... Doing more drugs, no matter how much the amount is, right? Every 10 seconds. For four oh. days straight. Hmm. This is so... So do you think... Nerve-wracking to me. Like, it makes me nervous thinking that he might put himself into a physical state that he would not be able to come back from, right? Like... Hmm. And I mean... It just makes me nervous for our daddy. And I don't know if we ever see him again. I'm not sure. Like, I don't know if we know what happens to him. Well, I guess you wouldn't in real life. Yeah, he wouldn't. Because he didn't let anyone know. Yeah. What's happening to him. Can we talk about the footnotes? Uh, Yeah, but let's finish this chapter first. Okay, okay. We'll okay. talk about the footnote when we get to it. Where's the footnote? It's in the it. yeah, it's it's like in... At the beginning of the thing you were talking about. Let me it's right. so there was just a footnote, you know, 
like a little number next to the word. And uh, usually those are at the bottom of the page, but there wasn't any. So I flipped to the, like close to the back of the book. And uh, apparently there are over 400, no, about 400 footnotes in this book. And a lot of them are multiple pages long. Some of them are have like complex math on them. Some of them also have footnotes, like footnotes to the footnotes. It's really ridiculous. I think it's like 50-something pages of footnotes. Yeah. These are endnotes, by the way. They're not footnotes. Footnotes would be at the bottom of the page. Uh, same thing. Yeah, same, same difference. Same difference. Obviously. Same difference. I just want to make sure you know that you're wrong and uh, that I'm right. Just so, just so you know. No, I said endnotes. You did? Yeah. Larry, did. can you play that back? Footnotes. Footnote. Footnotes. Footnotes. Footnotes to the footnotes. See? You said footnotes. You said footnotes. Oh, oh man. <laughs> uh, I love yeah. footnotes, though. I know. They are really cool. This, um, but the amount of footnotes that are here uh, is scary. Maybe not. I'm looking, I'm flipping through it, and I see integral calculus problems, which is absolutely yeah. insane. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it makes me excited to see where this book goes because that I I wouldn't from these first two chapters ever get the vibe that we were going to be looking at integral calculus problems at the back of the book while simultaneously reading a chapter of the main book, right? Mm-hmm. So, but another that's funny. Like the fact that the end notes of this book have footnotes themselves is funny, and that's what we were talking about last episode. This book is funny, right? Yeah. This chapter was not funny. But no, absolutely <laughs> It was not. not fun. But the footnote, when he said um, that he added intravenous, intravenous addiction to methamphetamine hydrochloride, and then the oh, footnote yeah, just explained that that meant crystal meth. That was yeah, funny. I don't know why it was funny. It's <laughs> infuriating. It was but... like, I just flipped to a thousand pages to the back of your book to see what this footnote is about, and you just tell me that it was crystal meth, which is something I already knew. No, I think I think that's intentional. I think he wanted to, you to see that there's like 400 footnotes. Yeah, probably. It, but then it's just four words. It's just, oh, yeah. It's crystal meth, by the way. It's crystal meth. And I think that's actually a good introduction into what, like, he starts with short, sweet, um, little footnotes, right? And then you get into integral calculus problems <laughs> and, like, pages long footnotes or endnotes with footnotes. It, oh, God. But, you know, there's some humor. That's like the one bit of humor in this chapter. Yeah. And then, oh, um, he says on page 25 again, where was the woman who, who had said she'd come? Uh, repeating the first oh. line of the chapter again, which is hmm. kind of, I mean, I don't know if every chapter is going to have a motif, but like last chapter we saw, um, I ate this, I ate this, my son ate this, my son ate this, and um, mm. I am in here, I am in here. Uh, some like weird affirmations going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip over some of the more depressing bits. I mean, we already got into some pretty depressing bits, but do you want to just talk about the end of the chapter? Do you want to describe that? Yeah. I mean, we already kind of did, but uh, yeah. he's just caught between these two equally depressing options that will result in the same exact thing. Oh, did we talk about what the insect did during this? Do you want uh, me to read the last sentence? Because it's actually really long. The last sentence is really long. Yeah, a lot of the sentence. Yeah, go ahead. Right. 
He thought very broadly of desires and ideas being watched but not acted upon. He thought of impulses being starved of expression and drying out and floating dryly away, and felt on some level that this had something to do with him and his circumstances and what, if this grueling final debauch he'd committed himself to didn't somehow resolve the problem, would surely have to be called his problem. But he could not even begin to try to see how the image of desiccated impulses floating dryly related to either him or the insect, which he had retreated which had retreated back into its hole in the angled girder, because at this precise time his telephone and his intercom at the front door and the front and the intercom to the front door's buzzer both sounded at the same time, both loud and tortured and so abrupt they sounded yanked through a very small hole into a great balloon of colored silence he sat in waiting and he moved first towards the telephone console, then over toward his intercom module, then convulsively back toward the sounding phone, and then tried somehow to move toward both at once, finally, so that he stood splay-legged, arms wildly out as if something's been flung, splayed, entombed between the two sounds, without a thought in his head. Wow. In that one sentence, he goes from thinking, 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 to having no thoughts in his head at all. And stuck between two stimuli that are taking both 100% of his attention somehow simultaneously. Yep. He just... He just can't. Yeah. At this moment. This is, um... Oh, God. It was a provocative chapter. And, I mean... I hope we get more into, like, this theme of addiction. I mean, I, I it doesn't make me comfortable, really, like... In the sense, it doesn't, it makes me uncomfortable, is what I should have said right there. But I think that it is an idea that David Foster Wallace would explore himself considering what he went through, right? So, um, yeah, um, overall, this chapter, I'm not going to rate it in comparison to the first chapter because they're so vastly different. Yeah. I'm not going to say good. one, it, it was good. I, I mean, it's a good introduction to the second theme of this book, I think. I'm predicting this is going to be the second theme of this book, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, and like regression, like to like, um, or like failure to be understood or express yourself. Right. So like, whereas Hal represents an infantile state, um, Air Daddy represents like an addictive, like craving state, which could, you can make the comparison that both are similar. You can make the comparison how they're different and, you know, so I really like this chapter. I'd say I like them both equally, but in vastly different ways about what they said. I did get pretty uncomfortable reading the second chapter. I remember having to put it down, and it took me a couple nights to read it in total, which is strange because it's ten pages. But, you know, it was heavy, and it was only five paragraphs long, or four paragraphs long. So I'm excited for our next episode, which is going to be the next three chapters, which all are very short, very sweet, but very, very provocative. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going excited. back to hell next chapter. Yes, I'm excited to go back to Hal, my favorite boy, Mr. Incandenza. We might actually do the first, the next um, four chapters, because the while the sixth chapter is pretty long, I think it isn't long enough to constitute its own episode. So we'll decide, and you'll know next episode. Yeah. See ya. Bye.